This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Samovar Tea. To find out more, please visit samovarlife.com. And by listeners like you. To find out more about the podcast and make your own donation, please visit insideactingpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And on this podcast, uh, we usually do interviews, but sometimes we have special episodes like this. And we get interviews from across the entertainment industry and listen to our listeners and put their stories into our podcast. And we package it up, throw it up on iTunes for you to subscribe to and download. That's right. And we don't pretend to know everything. So if you guys hear something on this podcast that we discuss, whether it's a response to a listener question or it's something that one of our guests talk about, and we talk about if any if any of it rubs you the wrong way, or if you feel like oh, that's not quite right, or I disagree, or I have a second opinion on that, um, please get in touch with us. We'd love to uh, have that conversation, and you can find out the million different ways to get in touch with us on our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. That's right, and we have a very very special episode today or this week. Um, it's not uh, an interview necessarily, more uh, along the lines of our Thrival Job episode, and we're going to be talking about uh, bum 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 audition horror stories. So you may have noticed on our Facebook, Twitter, uh, Facebook and Twitter accounts, we've been asking, and on the podcast itself, we've been asking people for their audition horror stories over the last few months, and we've gathered some. Pretty good ones, pretty funny ones, some pretty awful ones, and uh, we're going to be talking about them and discussing them on the podcast today. So that's uh, that's what you've got in store for you, some, some very fun conversations. The names will be changed to protect the innocent. So we've got some listener questions to get to as well, and of course we've got some catching up to do, and if our listeners couldn't already hear, I think uh, they may they may be able to hear that uh, part of what's going on in Trev's life right now is he is deathly ill. Yeah. <laughs> he is sitting across from me right now, and I feel like I'm going to walk out of here with the plague. <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, yeah, no, I came down with something on Wednesday, um, and I've just been like, just kind of trying to fight it off ever since. Um that's really all there is to say. <clears throat> Wash your hands. Don't, don't stick your hands in a bag of tortilla chips at your workplace and think that you're not going to get sick. <laughs> that's like the way... I, that, I, when I think about that, man, it just makes me so sad because it's, like it's almost like you stuck your hand into a bag of germs. <laughs> I, it's exactly what I did. I was like, my immune system is strong enough to handle this. Come on, man. I'm in good shape. Yeah, it didn't really work out that way. Oh man! It literally, that it was like literally like the next day I got sick, and I was like, I know exactly where this came from. This has been a very harrowing episode. We, first of all, this is our second attempt at recording it because the first time we tried to record it, it was all of our work was completely deleted by a program that will go unnamed. <coughs> GarageBand, um, and uh, Trevor's sick. <laughs> Uh, the first time we tried recording it, we tried doing it over uh, Skype. Skype hated us. It wouldn't work. Uh, we tried it over iChat. iChat was working great until GarageBand crashed, deleted everything we worked on. Mm-hmm. And now, and you know, Trevor was sick then. He's sick again. Now we're, we're like, we're like pushing this boulder, this episode 44 boulder up this hill. And like, 
It's been, uh, it's been, maybe this is like our horror story. Yeah, right. <laughs> How fitting. How fitting. Yes. So other than that, uh, what's been going on with, other than being sick, there's uh, some other, there's some like, actually exciting stuff. I had, I had an audition today that I was really excited about a meeting today that I was excited about. Mm. Um, and I actually went and got coaching last night for it, which turned out to be a lot more money than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, I went in there today and I was kind of sick and I was just kind of mad at myself for the way that it went. Cause I just, I just don't feel like I was there. I just don't think I brought, I don't think I brought it. I just kind of was standard and the work I had done didn't really come through. And I could tell I lost their attention about two thirds of the way through. And I was just, just like pissed. Do you think it was just like you being low energy from being sick or maybe I, I, I don't know. I mean, the audition is such a beast, man. It's such a difficult thing to mm-hmm. wrap your head around. And sometimes you go in, you nail an audition and sometimes you go in and you don't, and you have to just be cool with it either way, knowing that you've done, I mean, I don't think there's no other way I could have prepared better for this. I was off book. I got coaching. I read the, 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 the entire script of the episode um, I had three days to prepare it. I was sick, but I'm better than I have been in the past week. There's nothing else I could have done, you know? So it's like, I just have to accept that I went in there and I gave a kind of a subpar non-representative, uh, showing, I guess. And I just have to kind of be like, all right, well, crap next, you know? <laughs> yeah. So next it kind of, it kind of put me in a bad mood, man. And I just took, I took the car ride back from Burbank to, to do my, my uh my complaining to myself yeah and you know i just let it i just let it all fly i was just like i'm sick of this city i'm sick of this life blah blah blah. you're just going to knowing full well in the back of my head that i was like just get it all out now even if you don't believe it just say it so you can come back an hour from now and just be like all right got that out of my system moving on next right. next right. you know what's tomorrow I have <laughs> So, um, that's, that's really it, man. It was just kind of a low point for me. And you probably noticed, I, I just was, in addition to not feeling well, I just was in a bad mood and I'm just trying to let that go. I don't know. I mean, I've had auditions like this before where I thought they bombed and I felt exactly the way I do now where I was ready to just like throw in the towel and I booked it. I didn't even have a callback. I booked the job right away mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh great. I thought that was the worst thing I ever did. So you never, <laughs> you never know, you know I mean? Like, I, like I'm trying not to, I'm trying to forget about it to the extent that that's healthy and mm-hmm. trying to remember it to the extent that it can help my career. Meaning like, remember the office I went into, remember who I met and just kind of add that to my list of people that I've seen and hope that I can <clears throat> build up that relationship. And also, you know, you got to remember that it's never, it's never as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've had now an hour and a half, two hours to really stew over this and just build it up in my head about how awful I was. So, um, I'm just going through that. <laughs> well, uh, that's pretty awesome that you are willing to share that on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, well, at the very it's, least. it's part of the part of the journey. So, <laughs> how about you? What's new with you? Um, well, I you know what's funny is like I was just thinking that I mean I haven't nothing really quote unquote went on this week other than me doing a very bad actory thing, which is kind of like sitting around waiting for call, but not necessarily waiting for the phone to ring, but waiting for callbacks on auditions that I had had the week before Mm -hmm. and not hearing anything and not letting that, I was trying not to let that affect me as, as deeply as you were just saying, like, you know, being in a bad mood and all that stuff. Um, 
but you do you kind of, it's like oh it sucks like i thought and i thought that these auditions went well mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i thought i thought i really had you know a good shot at getting at least getting a call back for um for one of them for sure i went in and uh and read for a pilot and um i haven't heard anything and i was just like wow that's yeah. a bummer you know yeah. and um it's like well what what else could i have been doing you know i could have been moving forward i could have been working on something else and instead i was like i don't want to like i like i said i don't want to say waiting around for the phone to ring because that's so so cliche but in a way it's kind of true like i was waiting to hear back on these callbacks and and not pushing forward to something else i mean other than the the podcast and a couple of other you know ventures that you and i are are currently you know Mm -hmm. involved in i felt like a bad actor in terms of the business the business side of things well it's funny too because you know like there's a part of all of us i think that expects ourselves to be robots and to just be like always working and always on and it's it's i mean i'm sure that i speak for a lot of actors when i say that you gotta be forgiving of yourself when these kind of things happen and when you do end up being a lazy actor you know it's okay to take a break and it's okay to have those as long as you recognize that that can't continue indefinitely right right you know that, yeah there's a lot of actors that i mean it's hard you know being in los angeles like you'd rather be at the beach we you're right in that we all we all kind of go through that that's that's absolutely true yeah, yeah. um but you but on the flip side of that you didn't really sit around this this week last week even though you were sick because you were um finally getting into some of that writing you've been wanting to do right oh yeah yeah i finally um i sat down and i finally wrote uh a scene for our we talked about this a few episodes ago but we talked about starting like a filmmaking group and i finally sat down and wrote a scene for our filmmaking group and i threw it up on our google docs account that we made for our group and posted it on facebook and and got some feedback from people and people seem to really dig it and um hopefully we'll shoot it the next uh month or two and i like it because it was a scene that i wrote with myself in mind and I think it's a great role for a, a female in the scene as well. And I think it's com- it's got a compelling kind of story to it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it ended up being like eight pages. And I feel nice. good about it. And it felt really felt really good to accomplish that because yeah. I've I get scared easily of that stuff. I'm intimidated by by taking the reins like that and and putting my own creativity out there mm-hmm. um, in a realm that's not acting. Even, even acting scares me, you know. But like. It's new, so it, it terrified me. But to finally get it out there and have people respond so positively to it, I was like, oh, cool. And I was kind of on top of the world there for a few hours being That's like, awesome. I can write anything. <laughs> <laughs> I read this awesome quote last night that made me think of you and, and uh, in uh, the podcast and just art in general and writing and stuff uh, that I'm, I, I don't know it for, word for word, so I'm going to butcher it. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it, but I'm really just paraphrasing the last line and I'll look it up. Maybe I'll talk about it in a future episode, but the last line was something along the lines of like your doubt, those fears that you have about actually moving forward. And this person was specifically talking about writing. That doubt is your talent because untalented people have no doubt. Wow. Wait. Okay. I think my, think my noodles about to bake. Untalented people have no doubt. Yeah. It's basically like the doubt, the fear that you have that sort of holds us all back. That's your talent in that sort of area of like a fear. It's like, you know, how, um, what is it that, uh, uh, Nelson Mandela quote, our greatest fear is not that we are weak. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond all measure. Yes, that's it. I think is what it is. So that's what the, I think this quote is referring to is like that fear, that doubt, um, somewhere in there is our talent. 
it's sort of like trapped in there because untalented people have no doubt. I love that last part because it's kind of true. It's like, it's like uh, what George C. Wolf said at my graduation when I walked at UCLA. He said, um, support talented artists because the untalented ones will make it without your support. got a couple of listener questions that we need to get to. The first one is sort of a follow-up to a conversation that we had uh, last episode, right? When we were talking about um, the age thing. Um, yeah. He even, he even said the age thing in, in the subject heading of his email, which is uh, Stefan Fuller uh, responded again to That's the right. conversation that we were having before. Yeah. And kind of added to it. Do you want to... Yeah, like when we originally responded to this question, um, it was uh, Susan Susan Moss, I think, was the mm-hmm. listener who wrote in, and she she her question was originally about age and um, when should you be truthful with your age if you're being asked it at an audition, and when should you be uh, artful with it and maybe respond closer to what you play as opposed to how old you actually are. Uh, and we we answered it and said, you know, I think AJ, you said like I want to know who's asking you your age, right? And what we didn't, and she's in her fifties or so, so we we didn't uh, we didn't think to actually mention that it's very important how old you are at uh, jobs or auditions for jobs where there there's liquor involved mm-hmm. and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And Stefan wrote in and brought that up, and he said, hey, well, you might be asked your age if you're auditioning for a beer commercial or something like that. And so he said, of course, he clarified in his email that you've got to be 25, and a lot of casting offices will make you bring in your ID to prove that you are 25, because if they cast you and you're not, they're screwed. And then he also brought up the, the IMDb birthday thing. Basically, on IMDb, they want to add, or they already have added, um, birth dates. Um, your your birthday is you know posted on, on your profile almost as if it was like a social network, which kind of drives me crazy because it's not. IMDb yeah. is not a social network, and I feel like they're the trying new, to add... The new like, layout looks very social network Oh, yeah. Yes, and they're, yeah. I feel like they're trying to add that in, and I kind of get it because you have the success of Facebook and Twitter and so on and so forth, but it's not a social network, you know? Yeah. And so adding this birth date was... Uh, there was a lot of people who were up in arms about it, which I kind of agree with. I tend to agree with because that can influence the way that they see you. So if you play older or younger than what your actual age is, but your age is plastered right there next to your photograph, then it might influence the way in which somebody would cast you. Yeah. Because they are yeah. like, oh, yeah, they can totally play a college suit. Oh, they're 33. Well, what, what really <laughs> kind of gets me fired up about this is that is it, this doesn't have to be accurate. He, I mean, Stefan even said he sat on a roundtable discussion last year at the IMDb corporate offices. He mentioned this as an email, and he says that anybody can put your age up there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be correct, and if it's incorrect, it's extremely difficult to get it corrected mm-hmm. or and or removed. <clears throat> I think it just fell in line with the rest of the information on IMDb because, for instance, when I did my episode of Hannah Montana, which there's two reasons to bring that up in this context and I'll explain what what I mean by that. When I did my episode of Hannah Montana, when the credit first went up on IMDb, it was given to an actor who was dead. What? Dead. He was like his last credit was like in 1919. Uh I had to go in and 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 put in a request to change it. So anyone can edit information on IMDb. Uh when you have an IMDb Pro account, 
there are certain things that you can do that other people can't, like, for instance, adding your headshot and resume. If you don't want to have access to all of the same information or you don't care to have access to all the same information that an IMDb Pro account comes with, you can get something called IMDb Resume, which allows you to update your headshot and resume, and that's mm-hmm. it. IMDb Pro allows you to do that in addition to giving you all of this added information. Yeah. But all you have to do to change information on IMDb is put in the little request. You just send it in to IMDb. But I've done that a couple times, and they haven't changed my stuff. That happens, too. I'm not saying that it's a... <laughs> obviously, yeah. what we're talking about here is that it's not a foolproof yeah. system. It's full of not proofs. It's, it's full, full of, of it's errors. Full of staff members <laughs> that just don't listen to your emails, and that's the only way to get in touch with them. Right, It kind exactly. of frustrates me. It's very frustrating. And so, so what I think happened was that the birthday thing just kind of got added into the mix with everything else, credits and, and what have you. Yeah. Where this becomes a problem, like I just said, is if your birthday is different from what you play. So this is why Hannah Montana is going to come up again right now. The kid who plays um, Jackson on Hannah Montana, he's supposed to be like, what, 14, 15 years old on the show, if that. Yeah. He's 33, 34. What? Yep. If you go and watch an episode of Hannah Montana and look at the actor who plays Jackson, it's, it will blow your mind because he looks like he's 14. Wow. And he's 33, 34 years old, graduated from college, married, Wow, been in the business for a while, and he got cast in this role because he just, you know. He's got a youthful he's got, oh, quality he, to him. He's very, very youthful. Very youthful. Which is great. Cool. I mean, the guy, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're on Hannah Montana, like, I'm not saying you're, like, set for life, but, like, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good gig to have a series regular. I mean... On you yeah. know, one of the one of the if, one of if not the biggest television shows um, out there, yeah. And and can you imagine if the casting director? I mean, I'm not saying that you know Howard Meltzer would have done this or Carol Goldwasser for that matter. But if they looked at his IMDb profile and saw that he was 33 when considering him for this role, I'm, I, I I would have a hard time believing that it wouldn't influence their thinking, yeah. If not their decision, yeah. You know, yeah. So. Thanks for writing in, uh, Stefan. If anybody has anything to add to this conversation, please get in touch with us. Send us an email. Give us a call. We've also got a question that came in from our Facebook page from a gentleman named Kyle and I told him on Facebook that we'd answer it on the on the podcast he said when creating material for your reel in the vein of create your reel does it matter if you use original material or not is it okay to use a play or movie scene that may not be well known and I love this question for many different reasons it's, it's very specific and very useful information and on top of all of that Trevor has kind of a little experience with this because one of the first things that I ever saw of you on camera, your, 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 the first reel I ever saw of you, mm-hmm. included a scene from a play that I actually directed in college, which is called This Is Our Youth by Kenneth Lonergan. Yeah, yeah. So I recognized it immediately, and I was like, oh, that's from This Is Our Youth. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a, for me, that was a, a USC grad student film that I did, and um, I had the footage, so I just thought I'd throw it up on, there, on, the, uh, on the reel, and... Um, that and another scene that I had done previously, um, which was a, an, a, a one-act play that I had kind of condensed down to like four pages mm-hmm. and that I had uh, modified so it wasn't quite so recognizable as that play. And then I, we shot that play, me and the, the girl I did the scene with, we shot that, that scene and then I used that in my demo reel and 
um, that's how I booked my first agent out here. Wow. I was using that. So it's, I, I, initially my, my gut reaction is like, Oh, don't do that. You should have original content on your reel. But then I'm like, no, it doesn't really matter because when people look at your reel, they're looking for a, what do you look and sound like on film mm-hmm. and B, can you act? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to watch I mean, typically people are not going to watch past the first 20, 25 seconds. And mm-hmm. if you don't believe me, go onto YouTube, do a search for actor demo reel and see how many you get through watching the entire thing. I guarantee you it'll be less than five. I guarantee you. And then after that, you'll get the first 20 seconds. You go, okay, got it. And you move on to the next. To kind of get to the the crux of his question, which was going with a service like Create Your Reel, uh, initially, my gut reaction to that was maybe not because I always thought that your demo reel should look like you've worked. It should it should show work that you've done, and a lot of times, create your reel and stuff. They 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 do really good work, but they do work that's almost got a style to it. It's almost recognizable. Like I can pick a create your reel scene mm-hmm. out of out of demo reels pretty easily. Um, but can you do you think you'd be able to describe what that quality is? Um, it's very well done, mm-hmm. but I I don't know. It's just a style. It's just uh, as as any director or cinematographer is going to have a style. It's the same kind of crew of people working on all these different reels. So you just start to notice the similarities, the way they're cut, the way they're shot, the way they're lit, the way they pull focus, um, the way the scenes are written. Um, right. They all have a, a similar kind of. Like, and they're all going to focus on the actor who mm-hmm. paid yeah. for the service. Yeah. Um, and they look great, but <clears throat> but. I don't know. There's a part of me that's like that. That would be slightly uneasy having that on my reel because it's to my eye, it looks like I've paid somebody right. to feature me and to make it look like I've worked. Right. When well, I you, haven't. You're pointing out the catch twenty two in those services because there's a lot of them out there. There's um, there's the one that he mentions, create your reel. There's Hollywood Guardian. There's Secret Handshake Entertainment, which we interviewed uh-huh. at, at Actor Fest yeah. in 2009. All these services that do very similar uh, work. And the thing is, is you, when you do that, you, it is obviously original material, and you get to the um, the main point of what you, Trevor, always say about your reel, which is um, what you look like, what you sound like, and can yeah. you act? Because you're going to get those three things yeah. from exactly from this original content. Exactly. And so in that way, you, it's like you've got great tape of yourself, and you've got a reel. Yeah. You've got a reel. I mean, by, you know... Yesterday I didn't have a reel. Today I do. So in that way, the convenience, the fact that you take, you know, you have some some film of yourself. That we're, it's this catch twenty two of like, is it worth that money? If it is worth that money, is it is it um, a risk to have something that, like you said, looks like you you paid for it? So yeah. it's well, um it's an interesting conundrum. I think. Yeah, and I actually I don't I mean I don't think it's a. I actually don't think it's a conundrum. Like that was my initial gut reaction was like, oh, you know, it it looks like they paid for it and they I don't have they really worked. Let me see, you know, if their resume is like two lines long but they've got a minute and a half reel that looks beautiful and blah 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 blah. It just it just kind of raises my red flag personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then then I think but it doesn't matter because all the reel is gonna do is get you in the room. They wanna see what you look what sound like and whether or not you can act. And that's all. At at this level where you're paying to have your reel created I mean, I'd say, you know, go with a service like that if you can if you can afford it and by all means use somebody else's content. I mean, just make sure that you're not stepping on any copyright issues or uh or any sort of fair use issues or anything like that. All yeah. good points. All good points. So Kyle, if we didn't sufficiently answer your question, man, get in touch with us, send us an email or give us a call on the voicemail line.
Okay, so we've arrived. <laughs> in in lieu of an interview this week, we've got your built-up uh, audition horror stories. I feel like we should get more of these and maybe do this as like a special Halloween episode every, every year. Because <laughs> I, I keep hearing like the bum-bum-bum audition horror stories with right. like the fake blood dripping from the words audition horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and man, we've got some good ones. Some are funny, some are not, some are scary. And uh, but there, I think that what's going to be most important is that we learn from from something from all of these. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to go ahead and take this first one? This yeah. Is, this is uh, came from, to us from a listener named Kelly. Yes. Um, <laughs> Kelly wrote in and she says, "I got a callback for a CarMax commercial in December. Callbacks are getting more and more exciting for this aging character actress because there are fewer opportunities for us." Uh, so in the callback room, there was no director or advertising reps, which I've never experienced before. It turns out they were in a conjoining room with monitors. And um, this happens actually more and more frequently, I've mm-hmm. noticed. Uh, the casting director directed us. And after the take, someone from the other room yelled. And she, they yelled so loud that Kelly could hear it through the wall. They are too old to play the cashier. They yelled this at the callback that <laughs> Kelly was called to. And then she wrote fun times. And I, that's just one of those things where it's like, it just, it just feels demeaning, you know, it's like, well, I'm, you called me in. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's your fault that I'm here. My gut reaction uh, in terms of what we could, you know, learn from this was that the, uh, sometimes, or I should say more often than maybe we think the creatives don't necessarily know what they want. (laughs) <laughs> that too. My manager reminds me of that a lot, actually. It's kind of funny. She says, you know, sometimes, like, especially if it's a new play or a new TV show, like a pilot or what have you, she'll say, you know, they, this is a new character. They don't know what they want. You, you can go in there and show them mm. anything, you know? And I like that. I like that type of thinking because it comes back to a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of um, acting as autobi- autobiography. You know, because yeah. you can go in and, and be yourself in that character um, mm. and bring who you are to it. And, um, you know, sometimes you never, you know, them not knowing what they want could work out to your disadvantage, like in this, in Kelly's case. And sometimes mm-hmm. it work, could work out to your advantage. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for sharing that with us, Kelly. Uh, do you want to take Joe's? Yeah. Uh, he's got two, right? Uh, Joe does have two. Yeah, yeah he's got two. So uh, this came from a listener named Joe. said, uh, a number of years ago, I was auditioning for a theater in Michigan. The artistic director was pretty famous for the things that he would say to actors in the room. Ah, I remember this one. After I finished my song and my monologue, I was about to leave the room. And he was staring at, at my headshot pretty intently. And I was planning to say a simple, you know, thank you and leaving the room. But he looked up from my headshot and he asked, how old is this headshot? I replied, about three years old. He looked at the headshot again and said, you look gay in this. Oh, God. I didn't know what to say, so I said, okay, thanks, and left the room. I stuck around in the holding room for a bit after my audition, and the woman who went in after me came out of the room fuming. I went up to her and asked, what did he say to you? She looked at me and said that as soon as she finished her audition, he looked at her and said, you know, you're almost pretty enough to be pretty. People like that just have issues, man. Like, they are just clearly unhappy with something in their life, you know? Like, nobody does that to, to somebody else. 
purely for the thrill of putting the other person down. It's always about some shortcoming that they're trying to, to deal with in their own life. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Something I learned from a great book called The Four Agreements. That's one. Of, I think it's the second agreement. Just remember that it's never about you. There's absolutely nothing we could say to like that. You know, <clears throat> Joe or this other woman could have done. It's not like you can prevent this from happening. But what you can do is, as you were saying, just kind of change your mental space about it. Yeah, and and remember that that's that's totally them like yeah. wow what a sad per- like if he if, if i found out that this person you know did this kind of thing i would just be like wow what a what a sad you know person yeah. you are you know yeah. there's this very famous uh, commercial director in town um i'm not gonna say his name because i think if people know who it is they're gonna know who it is and i don't necessarily want to you know firebomb but he is uh a complete asshole to every actor that he works with. He's just a, he's just a tyrant and no one in the industry can understand why he continues to work because he treats everyone like just like they're nothing. They're total shit. Um, he'll yell at actors. He's made actors cry before blah, blah, blah. And apparently the only way to get on his good side is to give it right back to him. So basically you have to be an asshole too, which just sucks. Cause then you're, you might be like for me, it would be changing who I am. Mm-hmm. But apparently, those are the actors that he calls back and works with all the time. And my a friend of mine uh, did did a project with him, and um, my friend is um, Indian, Asian Indian. And this famous director said to him something like, "Where? Hey, where's your turban?" Wow. Yeah, like a racial slur. And wow. This director is white, so my friend, knowing beforehand that you know he that you have to kind of give it right back said, where's your KKK hood? (sighs) Oh my God. (laughs) And I guess they just kind of moved on. Like, I don't really know what happened after that, but I just thought like, like what a, like, why would you go? Like, how do you go through life like that? Just treating everyone like miserably, you know, and just being like a total nightmare of a person. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what to say to that other than just, like you said, remember that it has nothing to do with you. You just have to have sympathy for those people. You just have to be like, man, I I am so sorry that something went so wrong in your life that you feel that this is your only option to deal with other people. And you just have to kind of find it in your heart to be like, I hope you, I hope you figure it out. Just find it, find a place in yourself to just feel a little bit sorry and wish them well and then move on. Cool. So Joe's got a second story. He says, a few years back, I was auditioning for a big national tour. The equity audition notice had listed that they were looking for character actors who played instruments for various roles and to play in the onstage band. I play the trumpet, so I worked up about 16 bars that I was intending on playing after I sang my song. So I walked in the room, put my trumpet on the piano, sang my song, which was a 60s rock standard, and then I went to pick up my trumpet to play, and one of the men behind the table said, uh, it's not going to help. God, I just looked at him because I'm not used to people saying things like that in the audition room. I said, excuse me? He said again, slower as to someone who is mentally handicapped. It's not going to help. I just stared at the audition table and thankfully somebody spoke up and said, we've seen all we need to see. We have the trumpet part covered. Thanks for coming in. Or I would have stayed staring at the table. Kind of embarrassing. He says there are about eight people in the room. Once again, creatives <coughs> not necessarily knowing what they want or like wasting the actor's time. That that kind of yeah drives me crazy. There should have been some kind of communication between the the people casting this and 
Joe's representation or Joe himself to say like, you know, what is the instrument that you're going to play? And if they had that part covered, like, don't bring me in. Like, why did you bring me in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the breakdown of communication happened. So we'd have to ask Joe about that, but yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Cool. So now we have a voicemail, don't we? Uh, yes. This voicemail comes to us from a listener by the name of, uh, Bethany. And we'll just have her kind of explain the situation. Hey guys, this is Bethany, or I thought I'd send you my audition horror story. Uh, this happened to me a couple of years ago, and uh, honestly, I was all kind of lucky to survive it. Uh, I got an audition for an independent short film that was casting at 7 p.m. in downtown L.A. And it turns mm. out that uh, it was the skiviest part of southeastern downtown Los Angeles, right near the railroad tracks where people squat in crumbling buildings. So I pulled up to said crumbling building, and I got out, and there was a a cop propping open the door to this place, and a a sign with an arrow pointing to the end of a hallway where there's a big red door. And uh, I, I, I do not know why I took that long walk down the hallway, but I knocked on the door, and this short dark-haired guy answers the door and he says hello you're the first to arrive my reader is not here yet why don't you come in and have a drink with me and we'll wait for my reader to get here oh god now what the hell i was thinking to actually go in at this point i i don't know something about this guy made me want to trust him and it turned out to be a good choice. It was actually a, a short horror film. I ended up booking it. It did quite well. And this guy is a professional friend of mine to this day. So I think I got really lucky. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's my story. Thanks for the podcast. Have a great week, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Wow. I'm so glad that ended well. Yeah, her. me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, I don't know if anybody else would have like this visceral of a reaction to it, but I was really upset when I heard this voicemail. Um, I was for the first five sixths of it, <laughs> you know. No, but I'm saying like you know how would you? There's there's no way to know. How would yeah. you know? Yeah. And as uh, I, I hate saying this, but as a woman by yourself in this situation. Unless Bethany has, like, some serious, like, self-defense background where she could have, like, kicked the shit out of this guy if he tried anything, Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know why you would put yourself at risk, why you would put yourself in a situation. And I was just really uh, terrified. I was really taken aback by this. You know, I have female friends who, were I to let them listen to this, they would be very, very upset by it. For various reasons, not the least of which being that, you know, some of them have had um, really sketch experiences where, you know, it didn't necessarily end. They found themselves with their safety at risk. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just sensitive to this kind of thing, but I I, I had a very, like, yeah, yeah, intense reaction to it, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, as rules of thumb, maybe stick with stuff that's in uh, public areas that aren't so sketchy. 
And always, unless it's a theater audition at a legitimate theater, don't go to auditions at night like that. You know, avoid auditions that are at people's apartments. You know, Mm -hmm. a a true professional director, if he has no place to audition, he'll rent a space over at Space Station Studios on, uh, like, Fountain and Hollywood or wherever it is. Or use cast that we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll do something, but they, like, do not go to people's houses. All right. Thanks for calling in, Bethany. (laughs) Jen is a listener who wrote in, um, and she's been a loyal listener for uh, a long time now, and she wrote in with three different stories, which are all kind of hilarious, and kind of hilarious that they all happened to her. Do you want to just kind of maybe um, tag team these? Yeah, 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 go for it. (laughs) So the first one, she says, about six years ago, I had a pretty big audition at Universal. There were a ton of girls in the waiting room, and they tried to make the day go by as quickly as possible. Nobody notices that the girl who auditioned right before me knocked over some water and spilled it all over the tile floor. So I go and walk in as confident as can be, and the next thing I know, I'm flat on my back with my foot under me. Turns out I had very gracefully slipped on the water and went down hard. I tried to stand up as quickly as possible, but I couldn't seem to put my left foot down. (laughs) I tried to do the best that I could in the room, and as soon as I got out of there, I started to evaluate my injuries. Long story short, I broke three toes in that audition, and I didn't get the job. I don't uh, even I don't even know what to like I don't even know what to say because what are you going to do about this you know pay yeah. attention to the floor like I don't I mean there's really yeah. no advice you know it's like it's like a uh, you know getting struck by lightning or something Her second story <laughs> is 3 years ago I booked my first network TV show congratulations Jen it was a featured slash co-star role no lines guaranteed but definite possibility of some that required me to eat I didn't think too much of it when I booked the role, but when I got on set, I learned that each take, they wanted me to take a slice of pizza and shove the whole thing in my mouth. Oh, God. After trying it once, I found out that there was no way to swallow a pizza. <laughs> a pizza. So I asked a PA for a spit bucket. They looked at me like I was crazy, but they found something for me to use. But for some reason, they thought that the spit bucket couldn't be left alone. So a poor PA had to follow me around carrying a bucket of my partially chewed pizza. I looked at it, and it made me want to vomit, but they had, but the day had to continue. I ended up partially eating four whole large pizzas. I hope she got a bump for that. Yeah, you'd you know think what I mean? so, right? You'd think so. Like, yeah, that's what, just what, not healthy. You can't expect somebody to... to no. Uh, and they weren't even prepared for a spit bucket for her. It's like, that just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, what did they We're expect gonna her to... We're going to make this actress eat four pizzas today? What? <laughs> what did they expect her to do? Like, just literally, like, swallow them yeah. whole? Wow, great story. Thank you, Jen. <sighs> Terrible. And I don't... Jen, you got to stop falling down. Her last story is, is about falling down as well. But this is a, this has a happy ending. It does have a happy ending, yes. Yeah. She says, uh, just this past summer, I was a lead in a music video. The scene was a food fight with popcorn, ketchup, mustard, and cotton candy. For the lo- <laughs> Who throws cotton candy in a food fight, by the way? For the long shots, they wanted all of us to be barefoot, so there's a bunch of moshing and food flying all over, and the camera pointed right at me, and all of a sudden, I slipped in some mustard and went right down into all the popcorn that was all over the floor. I got up and was c- covered in a ton of popcorn that was sticking to all the ketchup and mustard that I fell in. I smelled and looked lovely. The band loved my fall so much that they wanted to include it in the final cut. So she's in the final cut of the music video, possibly covered in cotton candy, popcorn, popcorn ketchup, and mustard. ketchup and mustard. That's right. I mean, I, I guess that's good. I, I don't know. 
I wouldn't put it on my reel, or maybe I would. I don't know. I mean, that'd be a funny way to end your reel. It would be if, if you've gotten this far. You get to see me fall flat on my butt. Yeah. yeah. So good stuff. Thank you, Jen. So Sean writes in with uh, a pretty epic <clears throat> email, um, and he actually details this email hour by hour um, for eighteen hours. So, do you want to kind of venture into this one? Because yeah, this we'll, is pretty epic. We'll try to we'll try to uh, summarize it a little bit. But basically, I mean, he is talking about a single audition. So, in a way, this this is all you know important information to this audition horror story. Um, but he basically he got up at like four thirty in the morning, uh, stepped outside into six inches of snow, and he doesn't really have a big car. So, like, he was really worried about you know driving in this in this thick uh, snow. Um. And so he tried to leave at like 4.30 in the morning to get to this audition early enough that he could, you know, sign up and get in because I think it was like a an equity open open call. So you have to get to those fairly early so that you can put your name on the list and you can either go home and go back to sleep and come back or you can just stick it out and, and audition uh, right then and there. <clears throat> but his car just couldn't handle the snow. So he he decided not to leave then and ended up leaving four hours later. And uh, he had called the monitor to let him know that he would be late. And uh, the monitor I, I did something, helped, helped him out. And while he was driving, uh, he realized that his front right brake was jammed down. So the front right tire was, like, constantly stopping. So it was, like, basically really difficult to handle his car. Um, so it took two hours to take care of that somehow. His brakes finally unjammed. He gets to so now we're at hour ten of this epic day. So let's see, hour ten after four thirty in the morning. So we're talking two thirty in the afternoon now. Mm-hmm. He goes in uh, and he has to perform a monologue and do a song, and he realized that the audition was being held in a church, and somebody had forgotten. This kind of makes me upset. Somebody had forgotten the music to the mm. show that they were auditioning for. So they literally picked up the hymnals out of the pews in this church. And the music director was using them to teach parts to actors to see if they could like handle harmonies, which is just like, what? Why you think they would just do like row, row, row your boat or something rather than force people to sing church. Hymn? I mean, like, I don't know if there's like, that's a, <clears throat> that's a fine line. You're making people walk there. When they went to sing their solo songs, the other actors hung around were able to like sit in on your audition, which is always terribly awkward. And he realized that the song that he had brought, because he didn't know that they were auditioning in a church, was a little bit um, dirty. <laughs> was it, or I don't know, it's about like a stalker or something. And yeah. he didn't necessarily want to sing sing it in a church, so he's like, "Oh shoot, I better uh, change the verses." So he, he he switched to a new verse that was uh, a little less, you know bad if, if if you will and forgot that the last line of this verse ended with if it's a crime to follow a girl all the way home and memorize her address then i guess i am guilty of loving you to excess <laughs> hour 11 uh monitor came and told me the direct oh so that now after all that good news the director actually wants to see him for callbacks so he went out to the parking lot to check out his car and realized that, like, the whole parking lot was white with snow. Hour 14, he's up on stage for this callback. He's exhausted. He does his monologue. Uh, they give him the sides, and he reads with two readers who apparently had already been cast in the role or had already done the play. So they're mm-hmm. completely off book and have characters built. So he's basically 
cold reading, you know, with actors who have already done the show. Hour 15, hours from home, in a blizzard, car wouldn't drive, and he just spent $15 or 15 hours and $70 in gas to experience a so-so audition. Also had a migraine. Uh, finally got his brakes to loosen up enough to actually leave the audition and didn't get home until it was 18 hours later. Wow. I wonder, he doesn't say if, uh, if he booked it. He says it was the worst audition experience he ever had, but he didn't say if he booked it. And I wonder, I wonder if he did. Yeah. Sean, what happened? (laughs) Yeah. Was it worth it, man? Was it worth it? 15 Uh, hours, $70 in gas. Well, 18 hours. That's a tough one. I mean, those, those, those like, uh, what do you, I guess you, they're most frequently referred to as cattle calls. Mm-hmm. Those are tough, man. I've only gone to like a handful of those my entire life, and I, I don't, I don't envy anybody who experiences that. I don't know if I'll ever go to another one if I can help it. Yeah, they're rough. I, I, I remember one of the worst. Actually, this is funny. This was in a church. One of the worst cattle calls I ever went to was in. Um, what is that church up on Hollywood and Highland that gets used for auditions all the time? big auditions um it's called like hollywood presbyterian or something or hollywood methodist church or something it's a big church up on hollywood and highland i think that gets used for auditions all the time and they had a cattle call for wicked which as you can imagine was the most ridiculous thing ever i mean i have i've literally to this day never before or since have i seen so many actors in one place at one time Watch the wow. Oscars last night? Yeah, no, it was more than that. I mean, there were... Actor Fest times 12 billion. 12 billion. Yeah, there were seriously 12 wow. billion wow. actors. It was ridiculous. Wow. Anyway, I just think it's funny that it was in a church. Uh, so thanks for writing in, Sean. Hopefully it worked out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it did. And uh, our last horror story that we have from a listener um, is from another Joe. Another Joe. Different Joe. Yeah, who... Um, <laughs> Who writes him with an, an interesting story, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, <laughs> it's funny the way Joe tells it. He says, I auditioned for a role in an independent web series a few weeks ago. I felt like I was perfect for the role from the moment I, ha- I read the character breakdown, so I prepared like a maniac. I read the script a hundred billion times. I came dressed for the part. Hell, I even brought a small prop, a magazine, to use in the audition. We did the first take, nailed it. Felt great. Second take, even more so. And then it happened. All right, Joe, we want you to do this next one using a Cockney dialect. <laughs> That's where I started to sweat. Shit, did I put a Cockney dialect in my resume? Yeah, Joe, you did, in fact. Remember that children's theater production of My Fair Lady you did when you were a kid? Well, somewhere along the line, you decided that that dialect was training enough. What a fine spot you've gotten yourself into now. Bravo. <clears throat> I'm reading his email verbatim, by the way. I'm not making fun of him here. <laughs> um, yeah, it does, it does sound like you're being sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, and then he continues, don't get me wrong, I can do a Cockney-ish dialect, and that usually works for my improv shows, but vocal caricatures simply won't cut it for film and television. Producers, directors, and especially viewers want the goods. Hoping to lighten the mood, I smiled and wryly quipped, ah, so you're the director that makes his actors actually do this stuff on their resume. <laughs> the comment By the way, garnered a- great response. Yeah, yeah great yeah. response because it totally like it shows his personality. Yeah, and- yeah, and he says the comment got a laugh from the producers uh, and the director smiled, and they said, "Oh, you know it." So with that, he jumped into the scene. He uh, he said it ended up sounding like a faux Michael Caine and a giraffe trying to swallow Rupert Grint. <laughs> Very specific sound. Yeah, uh, it certainly could have been a lot worse. He says. 
And he wraps it up by saying, in the end, I somehow managed to land the role. It's an incredible cast and one hell of a production team, and I can't wait to begin principal photography. In the meantime, I learned a heck of a lesson in A, keeping my acting tools sharp, and B, being completely accurate and precise on my resume. And that's kind of the moral of the story there. Yeah, I was going to say, he kind of took our jobs right there because that's it. <laughs> Congratulations, though, on, on, on navigating some a tricky situation yeah. and, and turning it into a, a, a good situation. Yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, I really enjoyed his response and, and, and his the, his moral <laughs> there at the end of his email yeah. is exactly what we would have talked about. Like, make yeah. sure that your resume is up to date. Make sure you can do everything that's on it because you never know when you'll be asked. Yeah. You know, one of the things that he says in the, in the email is that he, he, the reason that Cockney was on there at all is because he had done this production of My Fair Lady that's one thing that I have really had to um, hold myself back on is adding dialects to my resume just because just because I did them for an audition or did them in a show. Yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that it's good enough that you can um, improvise or do a cold read with mm, them. So I wouldn't mm. put those on my, on my resume. I did an audi- I, I had an audition a couple weeks ago where I had to do a Serbian accent. Jeez. Which is very, very specific, and it's it's not Russian. <laughs> they will tell you it's not Russian, and it sounds very similar to Russian. So it's very difficult to, na- to to sort of navigate that. And I told you all, I told you and all of our listeners about the Dutch accent. And I have to do, I had to do for that other audition. I did not put either of those on my resume because I studied them just enough to get to get it to a point where it sounded um, legitimate in that in that audition and I could have a good audition. And if I was hired, I'm sure, especially on the Dutch one, I'm sure they would have had a dialect coach Mm -hmm. of some kind. But for that to actually occur, I I would have to be so stellar that they'd be willing to, you know, bring me in despite not having a perfect accent. And so for all of those reasons combined, I did, I didn't, I purposefully did not add them to my resume. Hmm. Well, thank you everyone for writing in. I suppose we're kind of doing our listeners a disservice by not necessarily talking about any of our own audition horror stories. So, do you have any, sir? I have, uh, well, aside from today, which wasn't a horror story, but, you know, it was not a great audition. Um, I have one. You don't have any, you you told me previously. It's... I don't know. I I don't know if it's because I, I feel as though I have a thick skin or... Or what? I, I honestly, I, cu- I couldn't tell you. You just never mess up. No, ever. it's not that. It's not about never messing up. I've messed up plenty in auditions. It's just that like uh, nothing has ever happened to me so bad. Like that was so bad in audition room where I'm like, that is an audition horror story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, where I, like nothing stands out as being like that was like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I can't, I guess I can't really complain. And the other thing is, I always look at auditions as like. A learning experiences and B the the opportunity to perform. Cool. I, I I don't know. Maybe if I thought about it hard enough, I or maybe or maybe I've blocked it out. Maybe something awful happened and I've completely blocked it out. I have no idea, but I can't I can't really recall one. I have I don't have anyone that any that are like funny or inter- like that interesting in terms of you know and everything that I recently have gone out on. I always share what I what I've learned on the podcast. So. Right on. So, but you have what one? Two, I have I have one. This is, this, was, this is back when I was starting getting started with with acting. Um, I was seventeen years old. I was in high school, and uh, I had an agent in New York. And I used to take the train 
back through the the backwaters of New Jersey up to New York City. It was like three and a half hour trip, but it was like seven bucks each way. Oh, it was wow. like a really cheap way to get to New York. So I would call out of school and go up to auditions there. Um, I don't know, maybe twice a month or so. Uh, and so I was 17 and I, I was, I had been called back a few times for some soap opera. It might've been, uh, as the world turns or all my children or one of those. And it was for like a, a you know, a, a, a new role, a new character on the, the, uh, show. I went in and this was the screen test and I walked into the room and it was this screen tiny, test. So this is like screen test. This was like third this was audition. Like the third audition. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was a tiny, tiny room that in my memory had like, 12 too many big puffy rolly chairs stuffed into it. So it was just like, there was no room to stand. There was a big table pushed into a corner and like, it was like rolly chair purgatory. And then there were like six people kind of standing around with a camera and there was a big kind of like hairy dude sitting in one of the rolly chairs. There was a little space kind of pushed where the chairs were pushed aside where I could stand and I would read my scene with the guy. Um, so right off the bat, it's just a weird, uncomfortable room to be in. Um, and then, uh, second of all, I, the scene was a seductive scene. So I had to look at this guy and pretend he was a woman and tell him things like, they don't have to know about us. And like, (laughs) and like, and like, I've always loved you, you know, like just weird stuff that just wasn't, I wasn't ready for. I, I didn't know how to handle it. You know, I didn't know I hadn't, I wasn't ready as an actor for any of this. But there I was, and uh, and I I I remember at one point in the scene, I looked up and I said to him one of those lines like, "Your mother doesn't have to know about this or something like that." And I took a step back out of like the discomfort of it all, and I tripped on one of the wheels from the rolly chairs, and I fell back into like a pile of them, and um, oh. and then I kind of got up and I I kind of like you know picked up my script or whatever, and I looked up at the executive director who I had been introduced to. And she just kind of looked at her watch and looked back up at me. And I was like, I knew then that it was done. And I said, I said, I'm sorry. Can I, can I re- restart this? And they said, no, no, we're good. Thank you so much. And I was just so embarrassed, but also what a weird situation. I mean, who has screen tests in this like 12 by 12 foot room with like 30 rolly chairs? I, I, it was so weird. It, it's bo- it was booby trapped, man. It, it was, it man. Was it was almost trapped. like, I, I almost like want to be like, did, I almost want to like go under hypnosis to see if it actually happened or if that was like a dream. Because I remember, I remember walking in and being like, this is the weirdest room I've ever been in. And they want to have a screen test in here. The the lesson, the lesson it taught me was to be very aware of your surroundings and be very aware of your body because I took that step back into the chairs because I felt so uncomfortable and it was an, it was a sub, like an unconscious thing that I was doing. I was trying to back away from him when I should have been, you know, in the scene, probably closing the gap between us. Um, but it was just one of those things where I realized that my acting wasn't up to par. My experience wasn't up to par. Um, my confidence level wasn't up to par. My maturity wasn't up to par. Like a lot of things just kind of weren't there. And that was a lesson that kind of made it all very clear. But, um, I learned a lot from that horror <laughs> of an audition. Wow. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, you know, I'm still in the game. It's just, just, you know, throw another one, uh, on the list of auditions that I wish I could take back. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you can't wish you would take it back cause then you wouldn't have the, the lesson or the the learns that you took away. Yeah, from it, all right. right. Well, <laughs> I wish I could take not, today's audition bag. Not good enough. Not good enough for Trevor. I wish you guys could see the look on his face right now. <laughs> no, no, don't cry. Don't cry. It's okay. It's okay. 
Before we wrap up, we uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention our picks of the week. That's right. Um, I know what mine is, but uh, what's yours, AJ? Mine is very simple this week, and it's just, hopefully, it just brought me a lot of joy, and I hope it does the same for you. It's called Actors in Character, and it's something that I didn't even know existed, but that's existed on, or in, I should say, Vanity Fair for a really long time, and there is this um, photographer named Howard Schatz, who gets A-list actors. I'm t- I mean, I'm talking about, like, Michael Douglas and Ricky Gervais and, uh, you know, Jane Lynch to come in, and basically he gives them each three scenarios, and he tells them what it is, and then they act like they're in that scenario, and he takes pictures of them. And then they he just publishes them in, like, this, this little very simple triptych inside of, uh, I guess, Vanity Fair. And it's been going on for for years, and I had no idea. I've never seen this before. I've never seen anybody tweet about it. I don't even remember how I found this, came across it. I think I just saw it on on Twitter somewhere. And I really wanted to kind of share it with our listeners because I think it um, is a f- sort of a fun look at some of these A-list actors, and it's also, like, interesting to see their facial expressions based on the story that they were given. Anyway, um, ch- you have to go to our website to check it out because I don't even know where I got the, the link from, and mm-hmm. we're going to post the link on our website, but uh, it's called Actors in Character. Just check it out. Just go to InsideActingPodcast.com and, and click on the it's link. Very, it's very cool. I was looking at it, and I, I, I first looked at it, and I just saw a bunch of actors making faces, and I was like, this is dumb. This is and then dumb. I looked at the captions, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, that's brilliant. Yeah. It is so fun. That's the face for a three-year-old that gets his candy stolen by the bully. That's great, right? You, you know, just kind like, of like have a laugh at it. It's fun, yeah. it's fun that they're like you know these A-listers too. So uh, yeah. go ahead and, and and check that out. So uh, what's your pick of the week, Senor? My pick of the week is the movie Blue Valentine. Ooh. I watched it. Uh, I don't know a couple nights ago. I was sick on the couch, and my roommate is uh, on the sag. He's a, he's a SAG member, and this was the year where he got all the movies. I guess every three or four years, they they rotate the members that that gets a bunch of the screeners for the oh, SAG okay. awards. Okay. And so this year, he got like all these movies. He got True Grit, he got Social Network, Inception, Harry Potter, um, every like kind of movie that was in contention for anything. About sixty or seventy and all, and he got them all like back in like October on DVD. So I've been watching all these movies for free, which has been great, but I watched Blue Valentine the other night, and anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I I tweeted about it quite extensively, because I was blown away at how good it was. Just brilliant. I don't even want to say any more than that. Just go see it. It's so phenomenal. I, I really was floored by every single aspect of that movie. Just perfect filmmaking. You know what's interesting about this film from an actor's perspective, and maybe you know this, but it took them five years to make. Uh, I think it took them seven, actually. Se- seven and years? It was 66 drafts. Well, the, yeah, they, the script. So, but the actors were involved the entire time. I, I Well, yeah, I read it was uh, Michelle Williams was involved for all seven years, and uh, Ryan Gosling came on, I think, for, for like the last three of those seven years. Well, they had all this time to kind of sit with it, right? And so that, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but when they started shooting, they didn't even use the scripts. Right. Yeah, not they loosely adhered to the plot points, but yeah, I think it was almost almost scriptless. There were a few lines that kind of weaseled their way in, th- you know, through the improvs, but uh-huh. for the most part, it was completely like actor generated. Right. Um, right. Well, I mean, everybody generated, <clears throat> but uh, so just just the way it was crafted and paced and shot and 
everything about it, like the acting was phenomenal. I'm I'm blown away that that I I'm, I kind of feel like mad that Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams weren't nominated and then <laughs> and then and then scored best actor uh, and best actress awards because they're so good. I couldn't believe how good the movie was. Cool. So I think that about does it for episode 44. There's a million different ways to get in touch with us. And if you guys want to support the podcast, you can certainly do that a number of ways. Right off the bat, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we are at twitter.com slash inside acting, or you can follow us individually on twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. And on twitter.com slash digital actor. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash inside acting. You can find us on actor rated at actorated.com slash something, something, something slash inside acting. Just do a search. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> uh, you can do a, that same search on iTunes and at both actor rated and iTunes. You can leave reviews for us. Yeah, we love those reviews. So please do that. Uh, if you like the podcast, and uh, you if can, you don't keep it to yourself, that's right. That's right. And um, what do we forget? Oh, you can leave us a voicemail. You can call yes. us and leave us a voicemail. The number is two one three two actors. That's two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. And of course, last but certainly not least, you can jump on our website and go over on the right hand side and uh, donate to the to the to the podcast. Um, there's two ways to donate. You can either do it in one uh, lump sum, or you can uh, sign up for what is a essentially a subscription service, um, three, five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. If you get something of value out of the podcast, you know, um, buy us a cup of coffee, a bagel, a lunch, uh, you know, every month, uh, we would sincerely appreciate it. It's basically, at this point, the only thing um, keeping us going in terms of equipment, gas, um, yeah, server yeah. space, um, file hosting, uh, bandwidth to actually get the podcast out to you guys. Like, all the stuff that, that goes into this, it's it's not free, unfortunately. I was, was going to say, coffee and bagel and all that stuff is totally misleading because we don't, we don't buy ourselves anything with that. <laughs> we just put it right back into the podcast. That's true. I wonder if we should change those names because people think they're like, they're like oh, they're just buying a... Right. They're just buying bagels with this. Uh, no, what I mean by buy us a bagel is that that's what we call the $3 donation yeah. uh, per month. The $5 donation per month we call the coffee. And the $10 donation per month we call lunch. Uh, we're not buying lunch with this money. In fact, we haven't seen any of it ourselves other than to buy, you know, like the mixing board that broke mm. on us or the... Uh, mic stand that broke on us. So essentially, it goes all it goes right back into making a better podcast, and we appreciate every single penny. And yeah. you know, a huge thank you to those of you who have donated in the past. Um, and of course, uh, as you have heard us say before, if you are an actor, you can write it off as either a donation or an education expense. You choose. That's right. So I think that does it for episode 44 of Inside Acting, our audition horror stories episode. All right. (laughs) My name is Trevor Elgott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, avoid rolly chair purgatory. (laughs) 